If you turn with me into the scriptures, we'll be reading from Hebrews 12, 1 to 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone who who he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our Father disciplined us for a little while as though they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor at Christ Central Church, and um, I appreciate the work Matt and Catherine do with our youth. Catherine, see Catherine walking back there? Wave your hand, Catherine. Catherine's been sick, y'all, in the hospital and all that, and um, thank you, God, that you're back, <laughs> um, Catherine. And um, she, didn't get to, she didn't come up here, but uh, she's definitely an integral part of the youth group and so, good to have you back in the land of the living. How about that? So, um, as we continue our sermon series on growing up, um, there there's some things you need to know about growing up before we get any further in this series. And um, that's what we're going to sort of look at today. You know what I hate um, to hear from the doctor, just like all of you, or the nurse practitioner, whoever is there, when they have that needle in their hand or some sort of device of harm. Um, they always use this term. They always say, you may feel a pinch. Or, you know, you may feel some pressure or oh yeah you may feel some discomfort (laughs) and you know all those are cold words for here comes the pain right this is going to hurt they just don't want you to jump and uh and run out of there and um as we begin this sermon series 
through this passage in Hebrews, God wants to warn you. When it comes to growing up, being holy before God, and thus being whole as a person, again, let me warn you. You may feel a pinch. (laughs) You may feel some pressure. You may feel some discomfort. Okay, you're going to feel some pain. And this is not to make you run away, but to warn you, to prepare you for God's help and power in your life. Simply put, growing up is painful. It is hard, but it is good. And that's the lesson today about growing up. There is hard news about the pains of growing up as God's children. And there is good news about the pains of growing up. And guess what? It's hard and it's good news for the very same reasons. It's hard, according to this text, because you grow up through pain. It is good because you grow up through pain. It's hard to grow up because God uses pain to grow us up. And it is good because God uses pain to grow us up. Hard news, but good news. Well, like they do in the doctor's office, let's start with the hard news first. You grow up through pain. Here's the teaching of the Bible. From front to back cover in a fallen world, in a, as we describe it, in a broken world, in a sinful world of broken and sinful people. That means people who don't act or see things rightly or do what God asked them to do. That's all of us. That in a world like that, you will experience hurt and pain and suffering and hardship and loss and alienation and loneliness and emptiness and boredom and discontentment and sorrow. But more than even that, the Bible teaches us from beginning to end, like we see here in Hebrews today, that there is no growth. That means there is no becoming more dignified in our humanity or being more true to ourselves in our world or or being more of who and what God created, created us to be and be treated in how we treat others or our world to be whole and, whole and complete and right and holy. That that does not happen without pain. I mean, think about what our scriptures say here. Look at our scriptures. All good things, growth things, uh, what? Are connected and come through pain. In verse 2 through 3, we see Jesus' redemption of the world comes through what? Death on a cross. In verse 6, we see God's love and it's shown through what? Discipline and hardship. Verses 7 through 9, we see sonship and let me go ahead and say daughtership, if you will, with God comes through what? Discipline and pain. Verse 10 through 11, righteousness and peace and holiness through, you got it, painful things and experiences. It makes you understand why we don't want to grow up. 
It's hard. I, I mean, think about how the kidsy slogans have become brutally honest about our running away from growing up, right? Many of us live with this theme to our lives. I don't want to grow up. What? I'm a Toys R Us kid. We all know it. And I know it sounds cheesy, but it's true. In other words, what do we do with the pain? Let me pleasure myself with toys and things and, and my unsecured and selfish relationships. We want to play and stay in a world of immaturity. And, and with that slogan, everybody knows what? That tricks are for That's right. So what? Let's work hard to avoid any sort of anything that isn't sugary sweet to our lives. Everything we do or experience that isn't candy coated or some some come with, you know, some sort of spoonful of sugar. You know, we would rather die from and live in spiritual malnutrition and soul plaque, if you will, than take growing it growing up it. Or, or, or take it on because we know it to be true in our silly slogans of childhood and our fears of adulthood growing up comes through pain. It is hard to grow up. That's why the writer here in Hebrews describing growth as being a race. Verse 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses and before we had the, the history of God's work among certain people in Scripture. And so you it's a witness. We look at their lives and we see how God has brought them along. And since we have all these stories of how God changed people's lives, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. What is he saying? Throw off all that will hold us back. And to at the end of this passage, um, in verse 12, therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. In other words, get ready because we, you and me, are like everyone else that would read this passage. We don't want to grow up. We want to cover up. We want to hide. We want to, again, sugar and fat coat everything and actually put things in our lives that hinder and hold us back from progress because we know in the race of life there's going to be pain. You know, I want to hide, y'all, from being a husband and a daddy. Yes, I do. I want to be a Toys R Us kid too. Every day, I want to come home. I don't want to have to... Listen to the kids' stories all the time. I want to watch ESPN. I want to see my scores. I want to play the PlayStation or the Wii. I got both. That's a shame. I want to have three or four beers. Yes. With some Bojangles chicken. Maybe a three or four piece. And eat the biscuit too. And maybe a Bowberry biscuit on top of that. And I want to... Without any effort, get some really incredible love making that night. Yes, I do. I don't want to have to talk and be all emotional. Invest. Go to counseling. I just want to do that. Go to sleep. Be happy and fat and satisfied. I want to stay a kid and avoid growing up. Why? Because it's painful. 
I know if I address my boys and my wife and, and, and actually get into being a husband and a father and all that stuff and, and, and actually having some of you over and caring for your lives and returning phone calls and emails, I know I will face failure and I will fall and I will scrape my knees in our relationships and I will feel rejected and feel hurt by others and make mistakes and I don't want that feeling. I want to be the one person who could get out of this life escaping and avoiding this truth. I'm just like you. You know how you want to be that one person that hasn't doesn't have to go through all that pain? Growing up hurts. Hard news. And here's a second hard news about growing up. God uses pain to grow you up. God Oh, man, we talk about a good God and all that stuff and have songs about it. God causes people, and in particular to this passage, his people, his children, to go through pain to grow them up. That he and Jesus is described here in the text, verse 2, as the author and perfecter or finisher, if you will, of our faith. God, in other words, God writes and directs the script of the story of our growing up with pains. In other words, he makes us live in scenes of sheer hardship and painful situations. And then later, through verses 5 through 11, how is he described? As a daddy with a belt, y'all. I grew up as one of big 1970s belts, like this thick with the two belt things that go through. So the wind, no wind. Okay, anyway, y'all get it. He is described as a, you know, a daddy that really and truly uses corporal punishment. God, yes, described as a father who uses pain to encourage and guide his children on to wholeness, to rightness, to dignity, to holiness, to maturity. And that's hard to hear because that means he uses all this fallen world produces to grow you up. Sound like my mama. She would use anything to cut your behind. Just like God. He just takes anything in this world. You don't see it coming. Terrence loves to tell a story about the biscuit pan. I decided to tell my mama off. She didn't know. She didn't have it right. I was right. As I normally am. And I just remember thinking, she ain't got no belt. She can't do nothing. Little lady, she can't do nothing. I'm grown now. I've been lifting weights. She can't do nothing. So I was like, mama. And I told her off. And I just started walking. And I heard some rattling in the pot. Thing. I don't know if you ever seen your mama go for something. She's just like trying to grab anything. She grabbed the biscuit pan and while my head was turned, boom, boom, on the back of my head. <laughs> and you know that look of what it... <laughs> One time my daddy threw a glass of water at me. He missed and he said, I wasn't trying to miss. You know, because I told him when he asked me to get him some more water, you know, he needs to get up and get it himself because his arm isn't broke. Anyway, don't try that. And, and see, God uses anything. He's God. 
He can take any broken circumstance. He can go to any biscuit pan drawer in life. And that's hard to hear that a sovereign, powerful God disciplines his people. You know, and, and here's a hard part even about that. No one stops God. No one can good their way out of it. You can't be good enough. I, you know how I used to do? Okay, mama, I get it. No, you don't. You're still going to get a spanking. No, mama, trust me. I understand. No. You know that if God exists, and he does, and that he uses pain to grow us up, that guess what? You will experience pain by the sovereign hands of God. And like with mama, you don't know when and where and you can't control how. It's hard to hear, but it's true that God makes us grow through hurt and brokenness. I'm going to keep saying this lift pain and suffering and hardship and loss and alienation and loneliness and emptiness and boredom and discontentment and sorrow in the deepest and most trespassing ways. And so we are tempted to, what does the scripture warn of us, warn us of when God is, comes to God given pain to verse five, what? To make light of God's role in that way. To verse five again, to lose heart. We give up on uh, on God being good for us or making anything good really happen for us. And we avoid it all together when it comes to that sort of pain. Like I used to do when I would hear that belt wrangling or maybe I know something's coming. Run. Right. I used to make my mom and daddy chase me around the house. Run. Hide. Get under the covers, or I used to get under the piano. They couldn't get me under there. And or or, or what we used to do, put books in the seat of your pants. You remember the seventies and big sweatpants? We used to have books back there when it was time for paddling from daddy. And, I mean, in other words, don't put yourself or your life in an exposed place for God to grow you up. Stay away from church. Stay away from being known. Stay away from confessing your sin. By all means, stay away from counseling. Don't read this too much. Uh Uh-uh. Because what? God's going to whip you, right? Yes, he is. Hard news. Sometimes he try to hold his hands. There came a point when I got old enough, I just hold my mama's hands. She'd be trying to spank me. No, you ain't spanking me today. And she should say, I'll just wait till your daddy comes home. No, go ahead. Or we try to hide whatever we think is is hurting us. We try to control the hands of God. What? Through new doctrines about how he is. God's good. He don't he don't do this. He doesn't discipline us. I mean, this is the devil only. God has nothing to do with that. He ain't sovereign. He ain't in control. We, we we create new ways of describing who God is other than what Scripture truly says happens. We try to bind him. We separate him from his right and ability to be the one who does and allows these things for our betterment to happen to us. Because it's too hard for us to comprehend. We try to strong arm God. 
We buck God's punishment or the idea of God imposed hardship because it hurts, man. We got to have whole classes on why bad things happen to God's people. And even after those classes, we can't live with that fact because God's good. And I don't want to grow up if growing up means I have a God and I don't want to be around that God. And I don't want to hear words about holiness and change and transformation. If I have a God who will use painful situations to make it so. That's the hard news. But the hard news is informed by the good news here. Remember, it sounds just like the hard news. The good news about the pains of growing up is you grow up through pain. What do I mean? Exactly what Hebrews is telling us here. Pain doesn't dead in us. Or, or, or this fallen world doesn't just have its sadistic way with our lives and, and then walk away and leave us simply damaged and despaired and shamed and condemned. No, what it's saying here is in Christ, pain must leave benefit. Pain must not leave itself. It must give us grace and power and peace and joy and inner and outer growth as human beings and as a community. Take heart. You will grow up through pain. That the hurt and the brokenness and all those things may come into your lives like thieves of your sense of worth. But they must leave you with more than they look like they came to take. You know what's been helping me grow up and be a man for my family and live in much need of Jesus and stop being such a mama's boy? The death of my mom. Hard. Sorrowful. I mean, I... I've had to go places and deal with things in myself I have never had to deal with. Things involving my wife and, and my treatment of her and the ways I try to hide. And, and, and you know, I, I was the kind of kid, I was good and mama would always praise me. Yeah, world ain't like that, y'all. Kelly ain't called to be like that. Hey, I got this great idea. Wow, baby, good job. No, that ain't no wife job necessarily. And I get mad at her. Baby, I got this idea. Woo-hoo! Little kid, look what I drew. And Kelly's like, you drew outside the lines. <laughs> Mama would say it looked good. That man don't have a neck on him. Oh, Mama would say it was the best drawing in the world. She'd hang it up with a piece of scotch tape on the wall. She wouldn't make me feel like maybe I'm broken in the center, you know? Sheer pain and sorrow at her death. And pain was just what it always is. Painful. Heinlein. I'm not one of these folks, oh, it was it felt so freeing. No, it didn't feel freeing. But would have what should have just been sorrow and despair 
Jesus took and he takes and he makes it work for our wholeness and our holiness, our right thinking and living before God. The writer of Hebrews therefore encourages by saying this. Let's look again. Therefore, since we, verse 1, are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and, and the sin that so easily entangles and, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured this cross. Scorning at shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He is saying. More than Jesus. Being a good example of one who hung in there and whose pain equaled good gain. More than that, Jesus is just that Jesus is just there to give inspiration. No, but as the author and finisher of the life we run and live, Jesus is more than the inspiration. He's the very aspiration in our pain, that he is the life force and power that turns pain into gain. He is the one that makes us win from our losses, that makes us grow from all that seeks to keep us down. Because as author and finisher of our life, through what Jesus accomplished on the cross, he has changed the rules and the rewards of the game. Jesus causes all that goes wrong with you and in you and with this world and all its tribulations and all the tears and all the loneliness and all the discontent and all those feelings of emptiness to be used for your good and not have you be an object of unrelenting, of an unrelenting and wrathful world. In Christ, you just change worlds and the world just changed for you. All that could go wrong is now used for good. Let me say this. It's the only category for those in Christ. Why is this good news? It's not chance. And it's because, or because you didn't do well enough, or because you weren't good enough. And with that, you know, was it the yin or the yang, or, or the karma? You know, the way the points are scored have changed in Christ. Jesus has changed the rules of scoring and how victory and growing up looks like. He is the author and finisher. He has rewritten the rules of engagement and, and winning in this world because he has changed everything for sinners on the cross. Understand, not just them in some sort of personal way. Jesus Jesus has actually changed the world's ability to hurt you in the way it wants to. You've gone from basketball and football to golf when it comes to suffering. That the negatives raise you and make you better. That the game of life has changed for real. That when you lose... And when you, you win, and when you become strong, when you become weak, it's rather you become strong. And you grow up when you're knocked down, and you get hopeful after disappointments. And so the writer throws this in, in verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. What's it mean? You have not kept going 
to the place of bloodshed. And it means this. That you have not yet crossed the finish line of death. You've not gone through the final pain. The final hit. Now that the rules have changed and been changed through Jesus, even death itself must give us gain through Christ. And death is the only finish line. He is saying, therefore, lean into and run through a life of pain as a life experience and experiences that can't do anything, even in death, but give you good and do you good. To good news. Thanks to Jesus, you grow up through pain. But there's more good news. If you haven't gotten it yet through what we see in Jesus, what? God uses pain to grow you up. And it's just how you say it. It's it's what the emphasis is. God uses pain to grow you up. And that is hard news that becomes good news according to Hebrews. Look with me at verse 5. After he talks about Jesus and, and, and bloodshed and, and running through this life of pain that Jesus has chained for all times. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. And let me say, and daughters, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebuke you, rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? God is like a good earthly father. In this way. God is there. He's being attentive to us. He's chosen not to ignore you. He's chosen, he's chosen to, to, to be a daddy who comes home. To, to be a daddy who doesn't watch TV all day and, and play games all day. No, he is all into you and onto you. And guess what? That is good news. I mean, there are so many stories in our congregation. Ask anyone whose dad decided not to come home. Whether they would trade an absent father for a father who would be there and discipline them. God cares enough for your life to work in it and be a correcting presence in it and involved in your life. And that's what the pain looks like and means. And like any good earthly father, God is actually keeping us from what would destroy and demean us. I remember when I was in high school, I had a friend. He got everything. Man, he had a nice house. None of his toys were all broken up. They all had little bins and all kind of stuff. He got a car, a brand new car, 15, 16 years old. I just remember thinking, what's wrong with my daddy? I remember he was, his dad would always come and hug on him. And then one day he was talking about how great his dad was. And he said to me, Howard, 
My dad's so good. He even brings those movies for home for us to watch. Like, what movies you talking about, man? Those girly movies, you know. And I remember as a high schooler, I remember thinking, Dad, that's a good daddy. What a good dad. He brings home porn to his son. And he, he says, yeah, we sit together and watch it. He makes us feel like, men. what's your dad do? He won't even let me have cable in my room. I used to think my dad was unfair. I had good grades. I was a good kid. But what I learned and what we need to know is that my dad was better father than I could have seen or made for myself. Sometimes we look at God and say, God, why haven't you given this to me? Why are you such an evil, mean God? Why are you being hard on me? Look at what everyone else has got. Look at what they have. You know, God is using his punishments and and broken switches hanging around all the trees of this broken world and his disappointments like I felt when I couldn't have what my friend had to deal out protection and freedom from what would hurt us and destroy our minds and bodies and humanity. And it, like the scripture says, it doesn't feel pleasant at a time. But who are you, child, to tell God, the Heavenly Father, He doesn't know what He's doing? You don't know lost boyfriends, losing a vice that you hung on to for so long, changing where and what you do will and does hurt. Grow up sermon, in this Grow Up Sermon series of topics, we're going to talk about breaking from sinful life patterns. And when I say break from sinful life patterns, I'm talking about leaving the thing that you feel gives you life. The text is also saying, as far as disciplining and exposing our lives to pain, he's better. Than a good earthly father. Look at verse 10 with me. It says here, our fathers discipline us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. The good news about God disciplining us. He's not like our earthly fathers. Right? Some of you didn't have good fathers. Some of you, I'm going to go this way with it. Some of you were the good, successful kid. You performed well. You weren't like your brothers and sisters. You, you exhibited yourself before your earthly parents as good wishes and you were rewarded with preferential treatment or affirmation. You never got in trouble. You were good. And so you don't understand. How when you look at your life and measure out why you deserve what you got and how unfair God is in leaving you out of the marriage sweepstakes or the wealthy sweepstakes or the good looking sweepstakes. Because man, you deserve it as much as those who are getting it. Let me say this. Our parents disciplined us wrong. Lee. Yeah. Uh Uh-uh. Our parents disciplined us wrong. If they spoiled us into thinking we would only experience disappointments or have our hopes and dreams and feelings dashed if we did something wrong or didn't do it all right. You're fooled. Your parents spoiled you. You ain't that good. They shouldn't have done that. I do it. I'm not the heavenly father. And and God refuses to spoil you. 
He's better than that. He wants you to, he wants to love you and grow you and nourish you and know and, and, and he won't let something like your good or bad performance be the hindering factor of making you and me right and holy. You know, God is more like my friend Lewis's mama. Right? He told me this story of how, you know, they'd be having a family meal and they had the rib tips over here for the adults and they had the hot dogs over here for the kids. And you know how kids are. You at the kids table, you, you see, you know, you, you didn't get, sometimes you didn't get no chicken. The chicken was for adults, hot dogs and hamburgers for the kids. I don't know if y'all grew up like that. Some of you should have. And, and I'm explaining why. Because Lewis River, it was, meal was over, adults gone, you know, kind of, you could tell everybody was full. He went over, mama, can I have some rib tips? No. But mama, why? There's enough. The reason why you can't have no rib tips is you need to learn in this life you can't have everything you see and you want. That's hard, isn't it? Some of us need to learn that lesson. You can't have everything you think you can get or see or you want. Sometimes God says no when it's right there before you. Our parents spoiled us. You can have it. Just work hard enough. Knowledge is power. Get the right SAT score. Go to the right college. It's yours. No pain. No suffering. You can avoid it if you just juke the wrong way. You know, remember that movie Glory when he got hit with the gun? Just forgot the duck. That's all. I mean, no. If you just bob and weave, you'll be all right. And he's unlike our earthly father in another way. Some parents just tried to beat the living hell out of you. Some of you just abused with words and with physical abuse. You know what the goal was? To correct you by shaming you, by crushing you, by making you feel bad enough to do good, by making you feel alienated enough to do good. And they thought they were doing well. Oh, man, if you just beat the kid or, or crush the spirit of the kid or shame the kid enough, maybe they'll do well. God is saying here, no shame, no condemnation, but correct and loving view of yourself. It is good news that the pain we experience is in his hands and not our own and not our earthly parents' hands and not in chance and not a karma. Nobody loves you like God. Nobody is a perfect father knowing us and seeing us and knowing what's best for us like God. Here's the problem. You and I don't know and don't believe God loves us that much. And so guess what? You can't trust or believe that it is good that God grows us through pain. Can God be trusted to not abuse us, his children? Take heart in this. The very same thing that gives you and I the audacity to call the sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing God of the universe, father and daddy, And the same thing that gives that same God the joy to call us his children is the same thing that assures you and me that he treats and will treat us like loved children. That thing is what? The way he treated his own son, Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews sets us on the right course when he tells us 
to fix her eyes on Jesus. In your suffering, and you wonder whether God loves you, or you're just being abused, look to Jesus. Keep your heart anchored, in tune, and touched by this. Jesus came and willingly experienced the wrath of God. He experienced the rejection of God the Father. Jesus took a beating, a whipping he did not deserve or earn. He took a beating that was more than what we, he should have gotten. He took the beating of condemnation and neglect of a father who turns his face at imperfection and the very abuse of a fallen world. He took our sin beatings also all so that we would know that he would be the only son of God's sons and daughters to suffer the abuse of sin. He would be the only one for those in Christ to accept the rejection of not being good enough to be God's and not have to live in fear that God does not love us when and because things get hard. And so you can be sure that what you and I, his children, experience in this life and his sufferings because of what Jesus got for us is not wrath and it's not neglect and it's not meanness, but it is fatherly love. Close with this. My mama, boy, a lot of mama in this sermon, eh? As many of you have heard, she had many children. One of which is my friend Sylvester. Listen, never known anybody named Sylvester but him except Sylvester Stone. Sloan. What? Yeah. And there was something that I remember we were at my house. He had done. And he expressed, you know... What I remember being something that was totally detrimental to his sense of worth. And my mama confronted him. She, she, yeah, she'll feed you, but if you sit at the table, get ready, she's gonna confront you too, right? And she confronted him with some painful truths. And I remember he got angry. He just uncomfortable, insecure about having it all come out. And he, and he took off down the street cussing, y'all. Disrespectful even to my mama. Confused and pouty. My mama could have let him go. But y'all, I'll never forget this scene. She got on my tan speed. (laughs) My mama didn't ride bikes. And when she did, she always crashed. And even fell a few times. I remember. It's a master. (laughs) I mean, there were ditches. There were male boxes, there was all kind of things. And I remember running after them, you know, what's going on? And, you know, and it got worse as she tried to continue to call him back and reason with him as she's talking, because she's talking and trying to flag him down, the bike would swivel and she'd fall and she'd get back on trying to call him again with painful words, shouting at him for him and crashing and waving in the road near ditches and bushes. It is safe to say she almost killed herself to bring him back home and back to his senses to face and deal and experience painful but loving truth. God didn't almost die. No, he killed himself. He gave himself in Jesus Christ. To chase us down in our sin. To chase us down in our immaturity. 
to chase us down in our brokenness, to deliver what can be painful and uncomfortable experience and words that will ultimately bring us home to him. To call us to the one and who through with pain causes us to grow up. God is chasing you. He chases us. He seeks us. He engages us like a father through the very death of his son. It is made possible that in the chasing you are not condemned and you are not crushed. Pain, but growth. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are going through so much here. It is hard to figure out or define what's going on at times. We are lost in a rush of emotions and a rush and a push to survive. Lord, help us to look through the lenses of children of a holy, loving God who didn't spare his own son, but gave him that we can be his people and be his children as sinners. Help us to look through those lenses so we can view all of our painful situations, all of our trials, all of our tribulations in and because of this fallen world as being used for our good and his glory. Do this in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.